Hello and welcome to the Hear Me Now podcast. The purpose of this project is to share how I was groomed by my youth pastor and was silent for years, but my journey continues today. Hear me now. Welcome back to the Hear Me Now podcast. My name is Elizabeth McGill and I'm going to share some of my story today. We're going to go just jump right into when I turned 16. Um, I got my license and I got my license in December so, uh, January through, um, June, um, it was just normal babysitting. I could drive now, so I'd pick up, uh, my friends, Abs and Emily, and we would babysit, you know, uh, the kids loved us. I would babysit every time, and all the communication went through me, and then I would be like, mm, can Absley come? Can Emily come? And, you know, they would say yes or no. Usually they would say yes to one of them. And I would pick them up. We would go. They so, would leave. And so at 16, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to jump in, no, but at okay. 16, you, you know, you babysit. You get to get away from home. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, you, you, you're watching someone else's kids. That's all normal stuff, right? Right. And so you're just being a normal 16-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, usually how it would go, they would go wherever um, they were going on a date to or event, meeting. And... Um, talking about pastor and his wife and they would come back and then usually uh his wife would put the kids to sleep if we already didn't and then we would hang out like in the living room or whatever and a couple of times uh I remember he would mention like oh see how good you get along with the kids put them to bed you know their routine or take a picture of me with the kids just me with the kids and I always thought that was so odd but that would happen and um whatever you know just comments who cares and then uh summer when of when i was 16 that's when things kind of escalated uh just from little comments like that to where i could just brush it off to um more sexualized comments um i just like took it up a notch i'm not really sure why i think it's cuz uh i could drive and Every day he would want us to come up to the church. So he would be working. And so me and the girls, we had nothing else to do. So we were going to go hang out. So we would literally hang out all day up at the church. And it would be like us three, um, the pastor. Um, it would usually be us three girls, uh, pastor, and the, you know, everyday workers, there's a daycare there. We would just hang out and do like admin stuff to help out. And we would always go to lunch and then we would hang out to like dinner time. And then we would go have dinner, go to their house, play with the kids, whatever. And we started a Bible study in the summer. It was, I don't remember what the Bible study was on, to be honest, that was years ago. But a lot of the kids in the youth group, there it was not a big youth group, Okay. So a lot of them wouldn't come. So usually um, it would be the pastor, me, absent Emily, and sometimes there'd be one or two more kids there. And it was like twice a week um, throughout the summer. And uh, one time it was just me, absent Emily, and the pastor. And we finished our Bible study and uh, we were just hanging out. We had eaten Chick-fil-A. We're eating Chick-fil-A. And talking about, I don't even know what we're talking about, but 
out of nowhere, well, let me preface. Okay, I was wearing my hair in French braids, and I have pretty long hair, so it goes like down the back, you know, two braids. And out of nowhere, uh, the pastor, I was sitting right next to him, of course, and Afs and Emily were sitting in front of us. And out of nowhere, he said, you know, I like your hair like that. Okay, like thanks, and I, you know, just kind of skied around the conversation real quick and started talking about something else. And uh, he said, you know, parents, if you're listening, uh, this is not for young kids. If if you're using this podcast to help, uh, maybe uh, one of your daughters or something that may be going through this, then you know, just be aware that we will use language that's honest to kind of prepare you for the realities that are out there for some of the tactics and phrases that so uh you know that men use when they're grooming so be aware uh pause it and you know listen to it first and then bring your kid in if you think it's appropriate Mm -hmm. so so uh you know he said i like your hair like that thank you whatever and then he said you know i want to pull your braids uh while we're while I'm hitting it from the back, while we're being intimate, he used a different word, but, and I remember all of us just went silent, and we just kind of all looked at each other, me and the girls, and this was the first time, like, a sexual comment had been said. I was shocked. Um, I was 16, and I, we don't talk about sex, you know, me, and I mean, we were 16, very innocent, church girlies you know uh so I was shocked very shocked and it got awkward and you know how like an awkward conversation like okay (laughs) and then you just kind of laugh it off that's literally what happened it was very awkward me me and the girls were silent and he said okay and then kind of laughed whatever and then changed the subject and I was in shock about that it was we didn't stay that day um we left right after the Bible study was done, and I never wore my hair like that again there because I was very uncomfortable. Was there any conversation that you had with your friends after that? Or what's, I mean, and I know this is jumping in now, but did you feel anything now that you wish you would have known then? Or what came to mind then when that, like the next day or that night? Yeah, so... Whenever we got in the car, we all just looked at each other. Like, we already knew what we were about to talk about. What the heck was that? You know, what? That was disgusting. Who says that in front of two other girls? Like, we just got into a whole conversation. Like, oh, my gosh. And it was very uncomfortable um, to see him again, especially with his wife. Yeah. So, you know, at church on Sunday we would get there early help with the worship whatever it was so uncomfortable to see him and his wife together knowing that he had told me that um i don't know you know i don't know how he felt i think he felt completely fine knowing that he had said that but me and uh, my friends we just all of us felt uncomfortable because all of us heard it you know so yeah that um that was pretty crazy. So what what changed? Was there a relationship change? You know, you were hanging out with him a lot. Did, was there any, the babysitting? Mm-hmm. Did any of that change? 
after that comment. After that, yeah, uh, I felt that. uncomfortable. I didn't know what to do. Did you continue to go? Did he invite you out to eat? Oh yeah, all the time. I mean, he would like. This was forever. Even before all of it started, after he would like come on, come to eat. You know, go ask um, my wife because she can't say no to y'all. You know, um, always like begging us to hang out, and we would give in. What are we? You know, like yeah. what else do we have to do? We were always free. 16 summer uh you know they knew we were just gonna go home and do nothing and better to do something hang out go eat uh than go home so we still did all the things you know and hung out. looking back at that and, and and you're nothing really changed after that now i'm not saying that this is right or wrong all mm-hmm. i'm doing is putting this out there i want to yeah. see what you think about this mm-hmm. Because you didn't say anything and things continued kind of normal, do you feel like an individual could read that as she, you know, she let me slide. She gave me permission. I definitely think he did. I think that how you said earlier, a relationship change. I think he saw that as a relationship change. I think he saw I was uh, more independent. Maybe I was driving myself. I didn't have literally have to have my mom or someone else's mom to drive us to this place. Um, I was coming around more often. Um, I would, you know, I could drive myself to go eat. I didn't have to depend on them, um, around me more. And I didn't say anything. I just kind of blew it off. Uh, I think he saw that as like, okay, I have like another foot in the door. I'm one step closer, maybe a little bit, but I, I just felt more uncomfortable. I mean, me and my friends did. What else was happening there's during this time? And what was going on in your home? What was going on in the summer mm-hmm. with your other friends? Did you know explain to me what was going on in your life? Um at that, time? at that time, let's see. My parents were completely uh separated. My dad was out of the house. Yeah. For sure. Um and I didn't want to be at the house, you know. So I was out all the time. Uh their divorce wasn't final yet, but he was gone. Uh, I didn't have any other friends. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Afsa was my best friend, my only friend. And then Emily, you know, came into the picture. And it was just us three, man. It was us against the world. So I didn't have any other friends to hang out with, you know. It was just me, Afsa, and Emily all the time. It's. It seems like it was the perfect scenario because you were, you were isolated from, from people. There was, you know a shift happening in the home mm-hmm. and you had one friend and your social mm-hmm. life, your social circle wasn't big. Right. The reason I point that out is because I feel from studying the subject, Elizabeth has motivated me and, and me and my wife have talked to Elizabeth and we've explored the grooming uh, world and what it consists of. And, and we've come to learn that it's very prevalent in mm-hmm. many organizations but I feel like that's a formula of how you can identify someone that could be easily preyed on. A broken home, mm-hmm. a small circle, hanging out a lot, you know, a, a 16-year-old hanging out with an adult would make them feel, and you tell me if it made you feel more adult-like. Oh, definitely. And why would every 16-year-old wants to grow up super fast? They all yeah. think you know, I know everything and I can take care of myself. And so that kind of feeds that monster. Mm -hmm. Were you aware that you were prime for grooming? 
Um, maybe at the moment you didn't, but do you see that now? Oh, I see it now for sure. Yeah. Back then, no. I honestly, I was so innocent. I, I didn't even know about grooming, honestly. Yeah. Like, I didn't know um, that was a thing. I didn't know for sure. I didn't know it could happen to me. But looking back, man, I am the yeah. prime example of what someone would go for. What would you tell a mom? What would you wish someone told you at that age? What would you tell mom right now to be to be looking for or mm-hmm. signs or something that could help them? Um, make sure the wife is always <laughs> around. Yeah. I mean, she was never around uh, until dinner time. We would go hang out. That's it. But I mean, all day it was three girls hanging out with this uh, youth pastor. I mean. Obviously, that could be innocent and nothing could be going on, yeah. but it's just ho- like it's so hard because there is, you know, people that have that relationship with their youth pastor and they need it. And it's completely innocent. Nothing is going on. But also, you know, that's. But but we, being where access. you're at mm-hmm. and what you've been through. You know, you say, you know, maybe there's some relationships like that right now and maybe it's innocent. Mm hmm. Would you venture out to say, you know what, a youth minister should not be alone with one, two, or three girls consistently for long periods of time, period. Like, that's the other thing that we're stepping into when we're talking about this grooming is that we don't want to offend someone else that hasn't done anything wrong. It's so it's it's hard and so we're saying that because we don't want to come across as well Mm -hmm. maybe every youth minister is doing something wrong and i'm not follow me on this i'm not saying that they are Mm -hmm. but i think it's okay to put some stricter rules on them and i would even be confident to say that a youth minister should not be hanging out with one two or three girls for a long period of time consistently going out to eat with them without another older uh, female or wife uh, or even just some young men being present. Mm -hmm. I don't think that that should happen. It shouldn't have happened when you were young and it shouldn't happen now because at that age, what's a 16-year-old thinking, right? They're watching movies. They're thinking love. They're thinking the future. They're thinking, you know, you you got self-esteem issues. You got issues at school. Mm -hmm. You're dealing with all of this. And what better to get some... some confident like reassurance from someone that's older Mm -hmm. to make you feel older and more secure right no one gets me at my age because everyone's still kids Mm -hmm. i'm more mature than everyone yeah so i think it's okay during this journey to put some things out there right Mm -hmm. to call out some maybe this practice will set you up for something bad that you don't want to happen Mm -hmm. and i think it's okay yeah how do you feel about people stepping on on things like that? On you know, maybe don't do this and don't don't allow that. How do you feel about that? Uh, I think it needs to be talked about. It yeah. needs to be there needs to be like strict rules and you need to follow them. Yeah. And I think it's obvious to us now that there should be another adult um that a man shouldn't be hanging out with three teenagers barely teenagers alone um it's kind of obvious but then again everybody sees it innocent because who would think that would 
that someone would take advantage of that, you know? Yeah. So I just think there needs to be stricter rules for um, pastors in general. I don't care if they're a pastor of a whole church, if it's a youth pastor. There needs to be stricter rules because they can easily use their power to um, take advantage of. Well, I'll tell you a truth that I came across. And, I, you know, hey, I, I know a lot of youth ministers and pastors and mm-hmm. there's a lot of good good people out there doing good work. And, uh, and I'm happy to know them. You know what I mean? Not mm-hmm. everybody is evil. Yeah. But all I'm saying is that when I Google a youth pastor, mm-hmm. it, guess what pops up? Instances where they took advantage of someone. Young. Yeah. It's not that they're changing the community. It's not that they're amazing speakers and they're so impactful. It's, it's none of that. Mm-hmm. It's the mess. Yeah. And the reason it's the mess is because it's that common. And so I think... You speaking up is important, and thank you for doing it. Yeah, you know, I think it's important too because it's heard about. Um, like you said, all the bad comes up, but it's just um, articles about the man. It's never um, the little boy or little girl yeah. that this happened to ever. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times they keep the names um, hidden because they're minors or whatever the reason. Um, But I want to hear from them. You know, I want to make sure they're okay. I want to help them. I don't really care to see uh, 20 articles about the same man. Yeah. You know, I I hear you. So. What are some of, well, okay, you're at 16. He said that anything else came up, anything else come up that you can think of? Comments, you know, don't cut your hair. Um, don't do this. But, and it like kind of in a playful way. Yeah. But he was telling me how he wanted me to look and act and wear, yeah. you know? So that's, that started from that comment. That's when those, um, you know. Um, what his preference was on certain things. That's when that started to yeah. happen. So when is this, did this ever start affecting you in a negative way? These realities, these things, these, you know, mm-hmm. and what was the next one? The and how, next- were you, how were you changing? How were you growing up after kind of, kind of going through it and not, nothing really happening, mm-hmm. right? You kind of laughed it off. How are you growing with it? How are you living with it? Uh, it felt like a huge weight on my shoulders all yeah. the time. I felt so dirty, even though I wasn't doing anything. I yeah. never said, uh, yeah, I want that too. I never said anything like that. Um, so I felt disgusting. I felt dirty. I When I would see his wife, I would feel wrong 100% of the time. Uh, it, was, it was terrible. I mean, uh, having a face especially her every day because she's amazing. She's a very good woman. Um, I just felt so bad. I mean, it was hard. I didn't talk to, I didn't have a boyfriend. I, because I just couldn't, I don't, I just felt so dirty. Like I was doing something wrong, even though I knew I wasn't. And I'm glad that I never did. Uh, And I would tell uh, absent Emily all the time, like, man, I feel gross. I feel dirty. He needs whatever. I can't do anything with another guy. I mean, I didn't want to date any boys because I don't, 
it just felt so, I don't know. I just felt like I couldn't move. I was constricted. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, that's, I just felt like that the whole time growing up. Keep taking us down your, your journey, mm -hmm. your life. Um, so moving on to 17, a year after he had made that statement, um, it was the same things, you know, I talked about wanting to, I would dye my hair. I dyed my hair a lot. And he would say, if he didn't like it, no, don't do that. I wanted to get my nose pierced. He did not want me to do that. Um, did you feel like he was trying to, to, to keep you from going wild? Or do you feel like he was trying to control you, like no. to manipulate you? Control me to how he wanted me to look. Like you felt and that? I, oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I would still do it. I, yeah. would, I would do whatever he said he didn't want me to do. Yeah. Because then I, I was hoping... He would stop if I wasn't listening to him or if I didn't look how he wanted me to, but that didn't happen. So moving on to 17, um, they were going to move and be youth pastors at a different church. And so honestly, I was happy. I was, you know, oh man, I miss y'all because, you know, genuinely I was going to miss, you know, his wife and his kids. I mean, I had how many years had four years something like that I was growing up with them uh, and especially for a baby you know I met her as a baby she was in a uh what is that a car seat she was oh, in a car yeah, seat yeah. when I met her the first time I met her she was yeah. in a car seat and now she's like grown. you had a connection you had a connect, like <laughs> yeah. an emotional connection to the family oh yeah for sure and the kids I mean I still love their kids I hope they're doing great but uh it was I mean it was gonna be hard to not uh see them you know and so that was the whole thing. They were going to be moving, and it was, like, hours away. And we went on a mission trip to New Mexico. And that mission trip was definitely different than any one other one we had gone on. Um, my favorite band at the time was Coldplay. I love Coldplay. And uh, so did he. And that was something I guess he connected with me on. And I mean, we were like in the van and I was sitting in the back. He turned on Coldplay and he would look at me through the rear view mirror, like trying to connect or something. Man, I would look out the window trying to look away. But I knew like going down there and that started, I knew that that was going to be a different experience because one wife wasn't there. It was another teenage boy that was like the lead and a bunch of kids. I was one of the oldest ones, you know, so I knew it was going to be different. I already could tell. So, uh, man, we got there and he was moping around. I mean, he was sad. He was leaving. Okay. And so, you know, me, he would, and I told you all this before he would like confide in us about his marriage, about, um, you know, personal things. And he had been telling us like, man, I'm going to miss y'all. It's really hard. And he was really going through something. Um, yeah, he was, he was taking it hard. He was going through, you know, his own little thing. Yeah. And so we got there and we, I mean, it was great, but also, I mean, we would go back to our, uh, little place where we we're staying at. And then he would like mope around, go up on prayer mountain. That's what it was called. And just sit there and like, he was sad and everybody would ask, you know, what's going on? And they would come to us because they knew we were close with him. I don't even know, to be honest. I think it's just him leaving. Yeah. So, uh, it, it was one of the, I think it was one of the last nights. He was very upset. 
and um on he was up on the mountain or whatever and I was like man let's just go see what's up so we went up there and then we ended up going on like a hike man we were in the mountains it was crazy and he was uh opening up he did not want to go and uh he didn't want to leave us so I think he was having a hard time (laughs) with uh separating himself from me um and I'm not trying to be like selfish by saying you know but that's really what it was and it was it was just different and we were on this long hike he was talking to us the whole time and then we came back and he wanted to talk to me alone and so we were on a mountain and there was this one guy in the church he's was very funny and uh he wanted to talk to Austin really bad um he was very sweet, you know, but, uh, and on the, okay, let me explain this. Sorry. It's kind of important. So on the top of the mountain, if someone's at the bottom and they whisper, you can literally hear what they're saying. Okay. So we would do that a lot. Like we would on top of a mountain and then they're at the bottom and they would whisper. It would be the same dude. He was funny. So he would whisper something and we could hear it and it would be like a game and we'd have to yell back to him what he said and he would say like, yes or no, that's what. So, I mean, you can hear, even if you're on top of a mountain, you can hear what's going, what's being said from the bottom. Okay. So I was like, oh, okay. And we were sitting like in a little, it was kind of like a little, looked like a little bowl a little bit. We were sitting in that and he was just saying how it was hard. He was leaving. Um, I don't know why he, I mean, I know why he wanted to talk to me separate, but he was just confiding in me that he did not want to leave and he knows that's what, um, God was calling him to do, but it was just very hard and he didn't really go into like a lot of detail because, uh, the other <laughs> kid was at the bottom when talking to him. So he's like, we'll just talk about this later. I was like, mm, okay. So then I left and it was that night, uh, me and Afsa had a room and it was connected with like four other girls and one of them being Emily and he had texted us we had a group message Afsa me Emily and him we had a group message and he said come up to my room so we we're like mm. it was like 10 o'clock okay and we we're like okay so I was like oh he probably wants to talk to us about what he was trying to say earlier so we went up there and we went up the stairs and uh we were outside of his room and we were looking at the stars okay and uh we were looking for shooting stars because the stars out there are crazy it really is beautiful and we me and him both saw a shooting star and absent emily like man we didn't see it come on and then he looked up what does it mean when only two people see the same shooting star and it's like it comes up that's your soulmate like all this and he showed it to me and he's like giggling and i was like uh okay I mean absolutely and Emily could have easily seen it but whatever so I was okay so that made me uncomfortable and so um he opened the door and he was sharing a room with another male leader but that leader had put like uh blankets it was bunk beds okay on a mission trip so he had put blankets up so like when he was sleeping, nobody could like look at him. I, you know, like he closed himself off. Yeah. And he's like, "Okay, he's asleep. Do y'all want to come inside?" And we we're like, "I guess." I mean, Abs and Emily were up for it. I was like, "Okay, whatever." So we were just talking and uh, having a good time. I mean, we were friends. And it was late, and I remember what I was wearing. I had talked to you about this. I remember what I was wearing. I was wearing a, 
a black shirt with a little pocket on it and my black jeans and uh, van socks. And I remember everything about that. I remember what he was wearing, white t-shirt, basketball shorts, silver basketball shorts, and white and gray socks. And so we were in there. I was sitting on the ground next to the bed next to Afsa and Emily was sitting at the foot of the bed. He was in the little twin size bed. And so we were just talking or whatever. Afsa and Emily were very tired and they eventually you know, laid on the ground and they had fallen asleep. And I was like, oh, all right, this is, it's time to go. Yeah. But he was like, no, come, come up here, whatever. Don't go yet. It's our last night. Um, I'm upset, whatever. I was like, okay. And I felt, I know other people um, that go through a situation, I'm sure they feel uh, trapped, very scared. Um, you you don't even know what to do. I didn't know what to do. So it was like, come up here. And I remember the smell of my jeans. Like I, I remember this night, it's like burned into my memory. And I sat on like the side of his bed and I was like, yeah, it was so awkward, man, it's so awkward. And he was like, oh, it's our last night. Come on, stay up. I want to stay up. Remember this forever. Um, it's our last mission trip. All, you know, all that trying to make me feel bad. Uh, so I was up there and then he was like, come back here. So we were like, I was sitting there like all awkward with my like, hands on my knees and, uh, he was like, come here. So he was sitting like at the, uh, on the wall at the head of the bed and he like scooted over. It's a twin size bed. Okay. And I was like, okay. So I sat there and, Ooh, I didn't know what to do. I was scared. I was stiff as a board and he had put his arm around me and like, you know, when you're sitting on, you pull your little boo thing to you. That's what he did. And I was like, yeah. Oh my gosh, what is going on right now? I was so scared I cried and I think he thought I was crying because oh this is our last night like that kind of thing no I was so scared I was crying and then he cried he was crying and I'm like this is so awkward this feels so wrong I'm so scared I wish absent Emily would wake up so they could see what's going on and we can leave yep. and you know he's like rubbing my arm and then he kind of like his arm kind of goes down onto my like the side of my thigh near my butt. <laughs> he's, he's behind and, you. His hands going uh, down. Uh, he's beside me, and so like he ah, has me yes. like this, and he put my head on his like shoulder, and I was crying. I was so scared, and so he was able to you know get his arm down there. And man, I was. It's silent out there. I mean, we're in the middle of New Mexico. There's an not a fan everybody was asleep in the room except me and him and i'm crying what time was it oh it was late probably like 12 30 yeah one something like that late because we were up talking just about life and i remember i was like i am in a bed out of state with my youth pastor a grown man i'm 17 what is going on? Um, kind of makes me. Let me ask you this yeah. for context. A lot of people, they don't know what to do with this subject whenever they hear a story like that. <clears throat> and they would say, people will try to put blame on you. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. So that's one issue that I find when grooming comes up is why the first reaction is to blame the victim. Mm -hmm. But they would say this, Elizabeth, why didn't you do anything? You're 17. Mm -hmm. You have a voice. You could have stood up. You could have screamed. They come up with all these wishful thoughts. Mm -hmm. But there's something that happens in that in that moment that you froze and you didn't say anything. No. Why didn't you do anything? You're a kid. Yeah, people think Being, of seventeen as not a kid, but you're a kid. It's a, you're a and kid. Back then, there was no not not as many cell phones. There wasn't the internet or nothing like now. Mm-hmm. So people need to put that in their head and yeah. think there was a different time. Mm-hmm. You were a kid. It's seventeen. Yeah. Let's just put it out there. It's a kid, you're especially a child. If the groomer, the older the groomer is, the more that 17 becomes a kid. Exactly. It's not like I'm growing up and he's staying the same age. No. Um, I I did get asked this question by my boyfriend, actually. Man, he was livid. You know, why didn't you get up? Why? And I said, no, put yourself in my position, okay? Like, put all your anger, whatever, judgment to the side. You're a 17-year-old kid. You're, um, I tried to explain this to him by uh, putting it in a way he would understand. So you're a baseball coach who's older than you, a position of power over you, can tell you what to do, and he's coming at you and putting you in a situation you don't know how to act. You're going to get paralyzed in fear. You're not going to stand up to him because that's your authority. Think of it like that, okay? And if you're an adult... Um, your boss, you can put it, your pastor coming to you and putting you in a situation you don't know how to act. You're not going to think forward and say, oh, I should do this. I should say this word forward. You're going to just sit there and try to figure out what is going on. Does that make sense? I Does that make sense? It does. I'm trying to, I know, it's... If and thinking about it now, I'm like, girl, get up, and get out of there. But I was seriously paralyzed in fear. I did not know what to do. This is what comes to mind. Everyone's gonna say, "Why didn't you stand up? Why didn't you do more? You're 17. Fine. If you're listening, if that's your train of thought, that you're going down the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Here's what I want to put in in every listener's mind: is that this can be happening right now to one of your daughters, to one of your sons. And the fear that popped on Elizabeth, that was over Elizabeth, was enough to silence her and paralyze her. And I think that we need to we need to hear that. We need to be aware of, of that. Like, I think that that's enough to say that you were fearful mm-hmm. and that you froze mm-hmm. and that that's okay. Like, I don't yeah. think there has to be some deeper meaning or something like this magnificent reason Uh except you were fearful and you froze yeah and i 100 percent thought i'm warning i 100 percent thought um he's gonna rape me or he's gonna this is his last night before he leaves whatever he's been planning to do he's gonna do it now and that's the main reason i was crying because i was so scared i had never had sex, okay? I was going to get raped, 
in a different state and I'm a kid and this is my pastor. So I, I was fully in the mindset. You felt like it was about to happen. Yeah, for sure. Which is terrifying to think about. I mean, if you put yourself in my shoes, I don't think you're going to be throwing hands trying to fight. I mean, it's, you don't know what you would do until you're in the situation. It's one yeah. of those things. <clears throat> Tell me more about about that statement that you felt like something was about to happen mm-hmm. that you were possibly going to get raped. Mm-hmm. What was going through your head? What I mean, it's a pretty heavy statement. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, I mean, I was trying to prepare myself. It, I was, I keep on saying it, but I was so scared. Yeah. Um, felt completely hopeless. Um. It's, it's hard to, I know I'm trying to, to hear me now. I'm trying to explain it as best as I can. Let me ask you this. A lot of parents, a lot of people do, don't, they won't believe this. But you know what it looks like growing up, a young lady. You know what that look is when a guy looks at you mm-hmm. with friendly eyes and looks at you sexually. Mm-hmm. Would you say that? Young girls learn that early on. Well, yeah. You know Especially the difference. Nowadays. You yeah. know the difference. When you were young back then. Yeah. And then the way that he was holding you, the way mm-hmm. he had his hand on you, you know instinctually when it's, hey, I'm your buddy and I got my hand on your shoulder, too, Mm-mm. whenever it's sexualized. Mm-hmm. Okay. Would you say that your your gut instinct felt those two things? That he's looking at you a certain way. And it wasn't yeah. only that day, but it was leading up to that day. Yeah. And so you're combining all those times when you're saying, mm-hmm. he's flirting with me. He's looking at me. He's not He's not looking towards me, but he's looking at me. And you know how he looked at you throughout those years. Yeah. I mean, he, I even asked, like, uh, this is probably going back a little bit, but I'm like, do you see me as a normal youth kid? Because I didn't know, and he flat out said no. Like I, I don't. You're different than them, man. Like yeah. yeah. So, so even just making you different, or yeah. making a, a young person different, feel more special, feel more appreciated. That to me is already setting you up. Mm-hmm. It's already grooming. Yeah. Grooming happens in so many ways, but the grooming that's taking place in Elizabeth's life is a pattern that these groomers take and that's what's leading up to this night elizabeth felt like she was being looked at and that night when he had his hand on you and you said it went from your shoulder it went down to your leg Mm -hmm. you knew it was a different feel yeah you knew you were on a bed Mm -hmm. you knew that everyone was quiet how close do you think how what how close, yeah, how close do you think you were to allowing whatever was going to happen in his head happen? Mm-hmm. I mean, I was definitely going to, if it, so I, okay, I'm trying to explain this. I definitely felt, okay, he's about to do something. He's going to rape me. But also, I felt um, more safety because there was other people in the room. Even though they were asleep, um. I think that gave him a little bit less access to do what he wanted. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, so 
I 100% believe if there was nobody else in the room, if somehow we were the only people in there, he would have tried more than he was. Yeah. Now, predators and groom people that are grooming, they go, they take high risk disregarding any sense of reality and you see this on tv it's well documented that a room full of people is not enough to stop them Mm -mm. it just it sounds like it should be but it isn't right but in this instance you know i'm glad to report nothing happened yeah no nothing um but that's the point. That's what we're trying to teach. That's what we're trying to bring awareness to is just because nothing happens, there's damage that does happen. Mm-hmm. So talk to me a little bit about the emotional damage, the emotional hurt mm-hmm. that cre- that was created from all, from these situations. Um, I so much emotional. I mean, I've been so this was four years. So we've. In these two episodes, we've gone through four years. We're, it feels like it's slow, like we're doing, going through this yeah. podcast slow, but that's how slow it is um, to groom and manipulate and, you know. So I had been in therapy. I, I can't even uh, tell you how long um, I'm still in therapy. It still affects me to this day. I still get... <clears throat> a little bit freaked out by um, pastors in general um, just because I know what was ha- like what happened to me and everybody else is seeing him as this great pastor they they see surface level they don't really know who he really is so when I go to uh, a new church or something I'm like okay he seems pretty cool but what's he doing in his in his uh, free time? Or uh, who's he talking to at night when his wife goes to sleep? Or uh, what little kids are in here that have something to say about him? So my mind automatically goes to the worst situation. And honestly, in any situation nowadays, like uh, my mind just automatically goes to the worst because I've seen. uh, I just don't trust people. Um, I easily think. something bad is going to happen to me. I mean, there's a lot of emotional uh, damage that has been done. So did that answer your question a little bit? Yeah. Okay. So you still haven't closed that night off. Okay, yeah. So his hand, mm-hmm. you're feeling scared. Mm-hmm. So what do you do next? Um, I mean, I'm crying. I. That's when I'm like, okay, he's going to do something. And I finally just stood up real quick. I woke up absentmindedly. I'm like, we need to go. Like, it's time to go. Like, y'all fell asleep. We got to go to bed. We got to wake up early. And I got down to the room. And um, like I said, me and Afsa were sharing a room. It was just us. And then it was like four other girls in the other room. I closed the door and I told her, like, everything. And she was like, what? Oh, my God. I was in there. I'm sorry. And I'm. I was like, no, I just, I had to... I was stuck and I just, I don't know what switched in me, but man, I got up so quick. I never moved that fast. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I got out of there. Nothing, uh, too physical. I don't want to say nothing happened because something did happen. Um, but it didn't yeah, and don't, and don't misquote like parents, if you're listening and it doesn't go to that extent where something 
sexual happens. Do not belittle that, right? Mm -hmm. Do not count that as nothing because if a moment that intimate happens with a young girl and an, an adult, it affects the way that they think. It affects the way that they grow up. There is damage that happens. And what's the, are you? Tr what's the awareness you're trying to bring as far as this damage that happened to you? Mm -hmm. um, because people will say, well, yeah. nothing happened. So what, what are you crying wolf for? Yeah. Right? Um, I don't think, I think it's unfair. Yeah. But I want to hear what you it have is. to say. It is. It's completely unfair. I, just because it doesn't go to the absolute worst doesn't mean that the steps leading up to it mean nothing. I don't understand how um, people are um, saying or acting like, what he did um, wasn't bad because he never, sorry to say it, but he never raped me. But because uh, that's what we're kind of fighting now is, well, he, nothing physical happened. Um, Actually, yeah, it did. You're going to say getting me in a bed isn't physical just because, um, I don't know how else to say it, but I, I think that I think the lessons that we get from this from your life and from this podcast is that there are signs, there are behaviors that happen and that if you as a parent catch a wind of them, you should know how to react. Mm -hmm. You should say that these are leading to something. There's an ultimate goal that mm -hmm. this individual is leading to the groomer and it's important to know what they are mm -hmm. or to catch them because it could have you could have been alone, yeah. Right, you couldn't have not gotten up, mm -hmm. and and although if something would physical physical would have happened or sexual, let's separate that because something physical did happen, right. but something sexual didn't happen. But would everyone be happier if it was something sexual? Would it be an easier argument to make on your behalf? Mm -hmm. And that's <laughs> where I get annoyed. Yeah, because who in their right mind would want it to get to that in order? for it to be something. That's what I don't understand. And I think the cause here is grooming is bad. Mm -hmm. Be wary of those that are with young people, how they talk to them, the things that they share. Let me throw this out there so I can get your thoughts. But an adult that's sharing their personal issues with a young person, as sweet as that may sound, it's grooming mm -hmm. because you're trying to connect the, the the biggest connector with humans is on an emotional level. Yep. And they're trying to manipulate that emotional connection mm -hmm. for something else. Yeah. That's true. Tell me what else you've been through. Um, so we get home from that trip. Uh, I'm so weird. I'm trying to so that whole, the whole trip was pretty much that but um they ended up leaving for a little bit it was we still went to the church um it was very I'm trying to remember the detail I can't even remember it was a very short time didn't work out whatever they came home and um I so this was in the summer I was 17 they left a little bit I turned 18 okay and so I had 
just turned 18. And they came back. I had a boyfriend. Ooh, did not like that. Did not like that. I hated everything. He, uh, the pastor, hated everything about him. I would, you know, be at church. So they're, they're back. Did that make sense? They came back. Yeah. Okay. They came back. I have a boyfriend now. Um, so the same routine started back up since they're back. Church on Sunday, go out to lunch, go to their house, the same thing. But it's different because I have a boyfriend and he made it known he did not like him to everybody. Didn't matter who it was. Um, if you saw me texting him, you'd be like, man, get off your phone. Whatever. So uh, that was the whole thing. Uh, and I'm 18 at this point. So yeah. so do, and, and if you're listening, don't get it. Don't don't be misinformed. Now she's what you know, she's over age. She's 18 now. Mm-hmm. So people may think, well, now she's an adult. She's just going to have to be responsible for her own actions. Mm-hmm. But the damage that happened when you were from 14, 15, 16, 17 are carrying over to you at 18. Mm -hmm. You can't, a number doesn't separate that. And so that's where we're at. So Mm -hmm. your boyfriend, and he's obviously not happy about that. Yeah. So he was my boyfriend at the time, short lived, not really, you know, a serious thing. So, um, but it, let me tell you, it was hard to have a boyfriend. Um, I still didn't feel like clean, I guess. I I don't know. I felt like I, I just had so many <laughs> issues, to be honest, that I felt like I couldn't even have like a, a serious relationship. I was just kind of going through the motions. I didn't really want to be with him, but I... I was 18, never had a boyfriend, never kissed anybody. <laughs> um, so I just kind of felt weird, you know? So I wanted to do that whole thing. We didn't work out. I broke up with him. And, um, man, he was excited about that. He was like, yeah, he's gone, you know? Um, and I'm trying to think. So... We haven't even talked the whole time from when I was 14, 17. He would be texting me late at night. I don't even think that we talked no, we about didn't, that. We didn't talk about no, that. No, so um, he would text me like late at night. When his wife would go to bed, he would text me, you know, talking about I was thinking about whenever uh, we're married and have kids and we're uh, going to conferences and I'm on stage and you're in the front with kid you know so he said when you and him oh yeah you know it would be like that stuff like late at night and i would i sometimes i wouldn't even reply sometimes be like uh okay you know question mark um i never knew what to say you know just i was letting him talk the whole time for years just letting him talk go in one ear out the other and so at this time that had stopped okay so i just wanted to let that you know like there was little stuff going on in between the big things um at that time it had stopped. Um, I don't really know why, but I was glad about it. And I had moved on. I met my, he's still my boyfriend now, uh, met him. And we started dating. Okay. And man, I was in love. I'd never been in love before. I fell in love. And I didn't want to go near the church because um, I found my man. Like I was in love. I, knew 
pastor hated my boyfriend, um, hated I had a relationship, hated I was in love with someone else. He was mad that I was in love. So I just, man, I was like, I'm tired of hearing that my pastor, like even his wife was like, why are you so obsessed with this boy? Whatever. I think he was talking because he would talk bad about him in front of everybody. And I just have to like shrug it off. Like, y'all don't know, you know? Um, so she didn't like him. Nobody liked him at the church. And, um, so I was like, man, I'm leaving. So I left the church. I, uh, was, I didn't go anywhere at the time, but I just got so tired of all the drama with my life when I knew deep down it was all stemming from him grooming me, but I couldn't say anything because it'd been so long, starting when I was, it'd been four years now, four yeah. and a half, something like, and uh, couldn't say anything now, why, what's the point, and so I was gone, I was out of there, and I started to go to church with my boyfriend, and I opened up to him about it, and I was like, man, because he wanted to go, he was like, why don't we go to the church, whatever, and so I was like, I'm gonna tell you this, and only two people know, Afs and Emily know, um, so I told him the whole situation, and it was hard, because I had never told anyone, because, so you come out at this point, okay, so you leave the church, so there's a sense of relief, you don't feel like you're being, like, in, you're not in that in that environment where you felt like you were being held down from your, with your secrets, like mm -hmm. your secrets and how you felt about the church were just holding you back. So you yeah. leave. Yeah. And then you have someone new in your life and you all have a relationship. What brought you to say something? What, what changed from mm -hmm. you growing up saying, you know what? It was wrong or realizing that it was wrong. Mm -hmm. What happened? Um, I mean, I always knew it was wrong. I was always uncomfortable. I, I'm trying to think really what happened. I mean, I was in love. I was, I had just graduated high school. I'm feeling like a woman, you know, yeah. um, even though I was still a kid. But um, I, I felt just like freedom. I was blocked. Everybody <laughs> from that church, I was just over it. I don't did, know what. Did you feel at the church since everyone you know, they trust the leadership. They trust what they're doing. In the back of your head, did you feel like if I say something, no one's going to believe me? Did oh, you, yeah. Did you feel that? Because I feel like a lot of people feel that in organizations, church organizations, if something bad happens, who do you go to when everyone there is on the same team? Mm -hmm. One could feel like, I can't say nothing no. here. I'm alone, and I just need to eat it. Mm -hmm. And now you're out, and you say something. Yeah, so... Uh, but I made, I made my boyfriend, um, Garrett, I made Garrett, you can't tell anybody, my mama doesn't know about this, she's not gonna know about this, I'm telling you because you're wanting to go there, I do not want to go there, that is behind me, blocked, reported, like, I'm done with them. Um, At that point, you just wanted to be quiet about it, you're like, I'm gonna tell you. Oh yeah, but th this is behind me, I yeah. thought, I'm like, okay, this is over with, this is behind me, yeah. why talk about it, because it's done with, it's over, I blocked them, I mean, they would text me at first, like, when I first left, like, well, we miss you, come back, whatever, and I would just be like, oh, I miss you too, I'm, I'm enjoying this new church, I'm, you know, on my own, um, but yeah, man, I felt kind of good, I mean, I was like, okay, because I didn't have to see them, 
I didn't have to see his wife. I didn't have to look at his wife in the face and be like, man, your husband's been trying to get with me since I was 14. Um, so yeah, I just felt like I still felt it on my shoulders, but it was way, uh, like way less, um, way less weight on my shoulders. And so Garrett listened to me. He didn't tell anybody, even though he wanted to so bad. Mm. Uh, he wanted to confront him. But you know how men are and get a little fired up and think they can <laughs> take on anybody. They want to defend their woman. Yes. Um, so, yeah, that was for a couple years, about three years that I was gone, just blocked him. And AFSA still went there. AFSA would tell me that the pastor's asking about me, uh, how I'm doing, like, what am I doing? When am I going to come back? And I would just be like, tell him I'm great. I, Why is he in my business? Pretty much at that point. I'm like, leave me alone. Um, fast forward like three years. Uh, I had gone through some life changes. Um, I was at a very low point in my life. And I had really no one, um, a lot of changes. Actually, my mom had gotten remarried. My dad was already married, divorced. And so, um, lots of changes. He, my dad was, uh, very bad back in alcohol. He was sober for about those three years, really, um, that he was married. Yeah. Wow. All of it happened at the same time. So, so in, in essence, all, all this, all this stuff is happening in your life, some good, some bad, mm-hmm. you, you know, some heavy stuff. It almost makes you put you what you went through or what you think you went through mm-hmm. from some people's perspective. And you put as far as priorities, you put it down low. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I'm, no one's going to worry about me. Look what everyone else is going through. I'm, do, I'm, I'm going through some changes. Life is difficult. And so mm-hmm. you start almost putting what you went through. It's almost once it almost wants to fade away. Mm-hmm. It almost wants you to forget about it. But yeah. but something happens and you don't let it. And and the, and the reason I say it like that is because if you're listening to this and you've gone through something and you feel it fading away and you feel like that's going to be good enough. You're mm-hmm. like, I just want to forget about it and I just want time to heal it. That might not be the answer because there may be other people mm-hmm. being hurt. Yeah. So, um, went through some big changes. I was very down and out, man. Um, I hadn't been going to church for a while and I had, uh, told AFSA, like, I don't know what to do with my life. Really. I don't know what I'm down bad. And she's like, man, come to church. And I'm like, I do not, I don't want to go there, you know, cause she was, she had left to go to school and then she was back on the worship team. And I was like, I don't even know if I could face him to be honest it'd been a little over three years I hadn't talked to any of them um but I got to a point that I was willing to do anything to try to make myself feel better and so I mean I had AFSA she was my girl she's my bestie and she was really the only person I had to be honest um so I was like all right if that's where she is I'm gonna go because that's my only person I had in my life at the time. So I I remember going back to the first time. It was during COVID, um, like the lockdown, and nobody was allowed to go to church. So 
they would record like Saturday night or yeah. something, Friday, Saturday night, and then they would post it on Sunday. Um, and she was like, just come to the uh, recording. Uh, it's just a couple of us. And I was like, oh, whatever. And I was with another uh, friend that I hadn't talked to in a couple of years. I was like <laughs> grabbing for anything I could. Um, I don't even know why we were together. I don't really even talk to her, but uh, we were at dinner and Afsa was telling me to come. And I was like, hey, I'm not alone. I have my other friend here, um, I guess. Man, so we were on the way and I was about so ner- man I was so nervous I was like I'm gonna have to face him I'm gonna have to face his wife this is so awkward like I hadn't seen any of these people in three years and I'm gonna show up mm. randomly when nobody is there so we pull up Afsa comes out and she's like are you okay and I'm because I was literally nauseous like I was feeling so sick and so I go inside and it's like everybody turned like what they thought they were daydreaming or something I was there at their church but um so everybody was like oh my gosh Elizabeth what you're here and I felt so awkward I was like what's up everybody um and then I saw the pastor and I was like all right this is behind us I'm oh I'm hoping it's done with I haven't talked to you in three years hopefully this is water on the bridge and he's like uh hey and I mean, he hugs me like, what's up? And I was like, ugh, like, I felt like everything just came back, man. It was yeah. weird. It was hard. Yeah. And and then I saw his wife and I was like, ugh. I instantly felt guilty, like down, like it was hard to see her. Um, But I stuck it through listening um, to him preach I really didn't care what he was saying I, I, I know that sounds bad but I just wanted to get out of there and so so you went in feeling like maybe you've overcome mm-hmm. maybe it's far enough behind you yeah but the memory and then the emotions they get, they get triggered yeah and you're realizing while you're sitting there and he's teaching that you're not over it no I mean like it's kind of, I don't want to uh, compare it to this because it sounds a little bit wrong. But it's like when you see your, like an ex and you're like, oh, hey, what's up? How you been? And it's just awkward and it's like tension and cut the tension with a knife. Uh, like, you know, instantly you're good or you're bad. Yeah. When you see him. Yeah. And so it just, it was so awkward. I, I don't know. I was listening to him preach and I'm like, man, this is a lie. Everything he's saying is a lie. You know, I was understanding why I left. Um, I hadn't heard his voice, honestly, in three years. And it just, it grossed me out, to be honest. I mean, at this point, I'm, I'm about to be 21. Yeah, it would be around there. Yeah, about, I was about to be 21. Yeah, Yeah. about to be 21. Um, I mean, I'm growing up now you know I'm becoming a woman I'm you're I'm just different I'm not the 18 year old who was used to being abused manipulated I was on my own I hadn't been in that situation in a long time so I feel completely different being in a room with him um I'm did you feel confident or did you feel confused did you feel like I'm I'm gonna speak up or did you feel like 
I don't know. I don't know what to say. I, I, need, I need to leave. I felt at like a combination of confident and so tiny. I don't know how else to explain it. Confident knowing um, myself and knowing truly who I am and truly who this man is. Okay, does that make sense? But also so tiny because I know I'm not going to say anything. Um, and no one's going to believe me that I'm just going to pretend like I'm nothing happened. I'm just going to go through the motions. So that, yeah, that's how like I felt. Like you, you showing up is almost like saying, I, I'm going to forget about it. And, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to, you know, bury this lie. Yeah. The, uh, you know, unless you came in confrontational Wanting to settle everything, Mm -hmm. that's what was being implied. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so then since when that night was over, I was like, I don't want to go back at all. But a couple weeks later, I was like, you should come to church because I wasn't going to church. And that's my homegirl. So I was like, man, I need somewhere to go. I was hopeless. I didn't have anything, and I knew I needed God. So... I could have gone anywhere. I know that I get that now. I'm sure people are wondering why I'm going back to the same. They are. They're going to say, why did she go there? Mm-hmm. Why did she go to another church? Well, I, you know, listeners, because she went back and maybe she had a little brain fog and that's mm-hmm. why she went back. But because she did, the emotions and what she went through came to the surface once again. But now they find themselves with a 21-year-old that's more confident. And they can answer some of the, her own questions that she couldn't answer when she was younger. And this is what brought Elizabeth to today, to the Hear Me Now podcast, to I need to say what I went through because it was wrong. And maybe, Elizabeth, those things wouldn't have popped up if you wouldn't have put yourself back oh, in it that position. Have 100%. Maybe you would have ignored it for another five to ten years. Mm-hmm. And so I don't, you went for whatever reason. You went back. Mm-hmm. I don't think we need to put anything negative on it. And for some, that's what it is. It's confronting the evil person or the groomer, and that's what causes them to finally say, I am going to say something. Mm-hmm. For instance, I think about Bill Cosby and all of the victims that he had. And a lot of them went through 15, 20, 30 years of silence. And I would like to think that watching him on TV, mm-hmm. hearing him talk and people admire him and everything, and that that triggered some of these emotions to surface with some of these women. Mm-hmm. And one of them finally said, you know what, I need to say something. So the way it happened to you, the way it happens to the Nasser case and so on, it's different, but there is a point where you confront your emotions and what triggers it, it's different for everyone. Yeah. But I would like to think that that was a good thing that happened. Yeah. Because now look where you're at. Honestly, I think um, God definitely, you know how God turns everything into good. We know that. It's basic church, you know? Yeah. Um, but he definitely turned that bad situation into this good but also god is so smart we all know i say it all the time but god is so smart i wouldn't be here i wouldn't have um the passion about it 
um, my parents, my mom and my stepdad, um, who have been helping me through this a hundred percent, they're going above and beyond and so supportive. But honestly, I don't think they would get it so much if they had not gone to church. So I went back, right? And so I was going almost pretty much every Sunday. And so my mom and my stepdad didn't have a church. So at that time, it was just me going. And so they said, you know what, I'm going to go. And they started going every week. They got put on the executive board there. Uh, my stepdad is a businessman. He knows his way around. He knows business like the back of his hand. And so they wanted him on staff to help grow their business. And so my stepdad really got to know um, the pastor, uh, what he thought pretty well. I mean, he was, they were going to dinner, having business meetings. Um, He was a fan. I mean, so was my mom. He was, he fooled them. (laughs) He, you know, uh, he had them wrapped around his finger, kind of how he does everybody. Um, but I don't think that they could have understood how manipulating, like manipulative he is, um, how he charms everybody if they did not go to the church. Um, they wouldn't have really understood how he could, um, manipulate me for so long, get me to feel bad, you know, they wouldn't have understood. So I thank God, honestly, that I went back and that my mom and my stepdad got so involved. I felt stupid at the time that they were there and they were like giving so much money to him because I'm like, man, y'all don't even know who he is. But I'm thankful now because it kind of uh, put a little fire under them to really show who he really is. I've been thinking about that lately. People that groom are typically, you know, like like we've touched on a few times, they're in a place of position and trust. But it's not like the, the gloomy, dirty, untrustworthy, scary person that people think it should be. It's someone with charisma. It's someone that the community trusts. It's someone that not only that the the person being groomed trusts, but that possibly their friends and family and parents also trust. That's part of why it's available, why it happens so much. And so I think it's good that you point out that, you know, that his charisma played on your mom and on your stepdad mm-hmm. the same way that it played on you but for mm-hmm. them it was for for the church the organization but they got to see the way that his mannerisms were yeah and when it's used in the proper way for a good cause hey go take you know do all that you can mm-hmm. but at the same time they could also it could also be used you know to his advantage in, in an ill way and that's where yeah definitely um he was very much um using them using kevin um looking back now oh them coming in was good for him and his business man he uh my parents are opening their own business and they have uh and he wanted when he found when the pastor found out how much money was 
in what they're doing, that's when he wanted to get close with them. Um, so he wanted to be business partners with Kevin and, um, that's my stepdad. So whenever he asked me all these questions, literally the next day is whenever he wanted to have lunch with Kevin to talk about business. And so that kind of shows like he found out he could get gain something from them. And that's whenever he really targeted them and got them involved and um, charmed his way in to having them involved in the church and giving to him and uh, creating that relationship because he knew he could benefit from it. And up to that point, they, they don't know anything yet. Nothing. Your mom, Nothing your yet. stepdad. What so what what happens that you finally say uh, enough? Like, yeah. dude, he's you're being played. Here's what's going on. I'm here. I shouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm still in therapy at this time, and I, uh, I something just clicked in me. God flipped a light switch on in my head something because I uh I be I felt like it was in a therapy session with my therapist and I literally felt a switch in me I went from like an insecure little girl and I was boom I was a confident vocal woman when I left her office man and I came out and I just started making changes in my life that this is me. Y'all are going to know who this is. So, uh, I, in the month leading up to me telling them, uh, I, I made changes that I needed for myself. I was, um, putting myself first, never did that. So I did lots of big changes that month. I cut him off. Um, negativity, not going to have any of it. I, uh, I got a new I got a new job that I had been praying for. Man, I'm putting myself first. I am getting in alignment and I was turning 22. So, I was turning 22 and I'm like, I am going to live my life. I'm not going to be I'm going to be happy. I'm It was my uh 22nd birthday. This was recent. Yeah. So this is up this is October of 20 21. Yeah, it's 2022. 2021. And I had just been on a roll, man, with, I was feeling myself. I was, my birthday. And it was at my birthday dinner. Um, It was October 3rd that I told my mom and Kevin. And it was, it just happened, to be honest. That switch had flipped and I was getting all my ducks in a row. And that was honestly the last thing that was on my shoulders. And I had planned on telling them soon because I was putting everything out. I was getting my life in order. But it was my birthday. It was October 3rd. And we had my birthday dinner. And then we went to um, a place down in the stockyards. And we were just sitting there. And it was my mom, Kevin, me, Garrett, Garrett's brother, and two of my friends topic came up talking about um our the pastor yeah and man i was not gonna have it and i honestly 
what triggered it was I found out how much my parents were tithing to his ministry. <laughs> and I don't know, but I turned to my mom. I was like, no, I'm sorry. I had, I turned to Garrett and I was like, I'm about to tell her. And he was like, you're going to tell her. And I was like, I'm doing it. I don't care. Yeah. At this point, I man, I was lit up. I don't know what came over me, but I was over it. So I turned to her and I was like, Mom, I have to tell you something. And she was like, what? And I was like, y'all need to, y'all need to be done with him. Get Quit giving him your money. He does not deserve it. She's like, what? You know, we all love him. We What? And I was like, no, um, he groomed me. And she was, what? And, uh. I was in this loud outside area. There's live music going on and we're having to get all close. And she's what? And I'm like, yeah, I was 14. He started this. These are a couple of things he said just to let you know I'm not lying. Uh, I'm done. I, that's why I left the church. I came back because AFSA, I was down. And she, this was my only place to go. Then y'all got involved. It got complicated. And hearing how much you're giving to his ministry when... I know who he really is. I'm just, I'm just done. And so she, can, she said, can I tell Kevin? And I was like, yeah, tell him. And Kevin, oh, you should have seen him. He, he was mad. He was what? Um, and Garrett went over cause Kevin looked like he was about to blow his top. He went over to him and he was like, ma'am, calm down a little bit. Um, and they started talking about it. It was a little awkward. I mean, I was just sitting there. No one was talking to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was just sitting there. And I was like, this is so awkward. So I went to the restroom, came back. Because I was like, whoa, what did I just do? I, I went to the bathroom and I was sitting there. I didn't, even, I didn't need to use the restroom. I just looked at myself in the mirror. And I was like, man, I just let out this whole, this one secret I've been keeping for seven years. Six, seven years. Six, yeah, seven years. Wow. I had been keeping and I just let it out at at nighttime on my birthday in the middle of this random place with live music and all these people. And I was like, uh, okay, so life is going to be different now. But I was proud of myself. Wow. I was proud of myself. Well, two two things that if something's going on there that's going to bring it out. And one is confidence you know of mm -hmm. whoever was groomed or whoever was the victim but you don't know how long that's gonna take it happened mm -hmm. for you that night at you know 22 mm -hmm. um but also someone could catch the signs earlier and help someone could have helped you bring it out sooner you know what i mean when you were 18 19 but no one was there you were kind of going through a lot of things yeah but your confidence brought it out, and I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, and, I became and, a woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so we're going to give us a good closing for this because a lot of things happen once your mom and your stepdad finds yeah. out. A lot of things happen that take place really fast. And then I feel like that's whenever this new purpose and this new outlook in life landed on your on your lap. But it all happened Definitely. really fast. It did. So let's close this part out as far as you told them and your final thoughts. And then we'll, the next episode, we're going to talk about the actions that you took and your family yes. immediately after this these conversations. And this big secret mm -hmm. finally came out. Yeah. Um, Just final thoughts to wrap up what we've talked mm -hmm. about. Uh, I know this... Uh, 
episode, these past two episodes have felt long. Um, but we went through things quick. I want to remind everybody this was over a span of four years. He was grooming me, all the um, comments, everything. It was it's a lot a- of text. Like, let's not forget there was a lot of communication yes. that was involved between them. And you that carries a lot of weight. Like, mm-hmm. without that communication, a lot of things probably wouldn't have happened mm-hmm. and, and so on. Yeah. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of things we didn't talk about. Little things. I mean, over four years, you kind of forget everything. But this is over four years. It's a long time. Uh, we kind of, you know, touched on the big, bigger things. But I just wanted to remind that it was like a long time. Yeah. And, and Yeah. And so, so okay. So Elizabeth has shared kind of the big picture. And she kind of zoomed through a lot of things that she went through. And as she's walking through this process and this journey of, of just developing her purpose for life and helping those that are being groomed and, and helping parents help and, and catch the signs and maybe help someone sooner. Maybe mm-hmm. they don't have to wait seven, six years yeah. to finally come to terms and have confidence to say something. And that's what we're doing. But this journey is going to allow Elizabeth to share more as she shares in each episode, you know, mm-hmm. something new is going to come out. Uh, we'll do some interviews. We'll we'll zoom in on specific actions or phrases or whatever yeah. so that you can teach people that are listening more about what you went through. Yeah. And so um, final thought. Yeah. I wanted to mention we went we were telling my story, but also it's not to get like. <laughs> I don't want sympathy from anybody. I'm telling my story because it's fact. Yeah. It happened to me. Um, I do not want this to happen to anybody else. And if it is, I want them to come forward. So it's not like I love it. I'm trying to put the spotlight on me. I'm telling you because this is my background. This is why I'm so passionate about it. Um, we flew through some things fast, but I want to get to where I'm going and why I'm what I'm going to be doing in the future. But um, this did happen to me. I'm yeah. not, a lot of people think I'm lying or whatever because it's been so long that I uh, came out with it. And that's another thing that uh, is hard because I waited so long to come out. Uh, they think it's false. I came up with it in my head, whatever. Yeah. But um, everybody has their own timing. So... Yeah. There's no wrong time. There's no, yeah, there is so no, right. it doesn't matter if it's been two months yeah. since something happened. It's been two years, 20 years, 40 years. If something happened to you, you need to come out and say it. And it's hard and it's scary. And you might feel like no one's going to believe you, but I'm here. I'm going to believe whoever comes to us or yeah. whoever we need to support um, that I'm going to believe because it sounds crazy because it is crazy that it's happened, but it's true and it's real and it's common, which it's scary. That is so common. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for today's uh, episode. Thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. And um, it was great, man. I I know that a lot of people are going to be, their eyes are going to be open Mm -hmm. and their understanding of, of what you went through is going to help them maybe realize some things. Yeah. So stay tuned. We got some more episodes coming. This journey is just 
is barely starting to Elizabeth for Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. What's to come, we don't know. Um, but she wants to be an advocate to bring a voice to those that aren't being heard, mm-hmm. to those that are silenced. And uh, she you just whatever confidence she found to say something, she wants to give that confidence to someone that needs to say something so that they can not only help themselves, but possibly uh, keep others from being hurt in the future. Yeah. I, I think that that's what you're doing, Elizabeth. I yeah. think it's a worthy cause. Thank you. So thank you. <laughs> and we'll see you on the next one. Yeah.